we're very good at talking to each other about the information we collect. Um, but uh, to have uh, an objective organization uh, sort of separate from the collection aspect of it or the information gathering aspect of it, uh, so it could focus on that and then we could mass uh, efforts in, uh, into creating information and or taking that information and creating actual knowledge and then getting it out into the wider world, which is where it needs to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 1CA Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Acosta, and today's guest is Major Ian Duke, author of the paper titled Civil Knowledge Battalion, Integrating Civil Affairs with the Information Environment. Major Duke commissioned as a military intelligence officer in 2007. He deployed in 2008 as a research manager on a human terrain team for Task Force Kandahar. He served in the 75th Ranger Regiment from 2011 to 2015 on regimental staff, deploying twice to Afghanistan. In 2014, he attended Civil Affairs Assessment and Selection. He has deployed with the 98th Civil Affairs Battalion to Peru as a SIMC team commander. In 2019, he graduated from Western Hemisphere Institute for Security Cooperation with a Master's of Military Arts and Science. He currently serves as the Fox Company Commander in the 83rd Civil Affairs Battalion. Sean, thanks. Yeah, thanks hey, for cool. thanks for coming on. Uh, and I know we caught, we were just talking a little bit right. offline about all this stuff, so we decided to turn it on and start capturing some of the good stuff. We're talking about the Civil Information right. uh, Battalion that you uh, posed during your paper. So, right. I don't know if you want to kind of just start with the overall thought of what made you write this and uh, what the concept of this Civil Information Battalion is and what led you to it. Um, so uh, one of the, I guess, keys to it was that uh, just to see all the information that the, t- the teams are collecting mm-hmm. to be utilized outside of the CA regiment because we're very good at talking to each other about the information we collect. Um, but uh, to have uh, an objective organization uh, sort of separate from the collection aspect of it or the information gathering aspect of it uh, so it could focus on that and then we could mass um, uh, efforts in, uh, into creating information and or taking that information and creating actual knowledge and then getting it out into the wider world which is where it needs to be right and I think that's where civil affairs really needs to, to start heading out outside of ourselves into uh, other elements yeah I agree with that um your, your prior background was military intelligence, correct? Yes. And so having that background and you guys have, well, military intelligence has something similar to this. Is that that kind of what led you to that, your, your previous uh, branch and experience? Right. There's um, definitely some correlations to it uh, where the collectors don't necessarily do the analysis. Right. So th- it keeps that separation. And that makes sense for a lot of different agencies. Intelligence agencies work that way as well. and uh, And so... That just allows people to, again, mass efforts and have focused efforts on one thing or the other because one, one craft doesn't necessarily transfer to the other. And, uh, it, and also one of the things I saw at the tactical battalions was that the, the teams were doing great things, but then there'd be a stalling point between the teams and the actual battalion sim section and because the companies aren't designed right. to actually process things at a high level. They're, they're, they can process things, but just at, not at that high level where it can be used by the interagency, et cetera. Uh, that, that makes sense. I think um, that's one of the things I've noticed in my experience, too, is we, especially um, within Special Warfare Center School and teaching those things. Like Civil reconnaissance is one of the tactical mission tasks that we teach. However, analysis piece, which is pretty critical, is kind of glossed over. Right. And we can see, I think we started talking about the, um, 
instead of the uh, the CANCO or um, the CANCO, it was the the Human Network Analysis Analyst or something like that. I've heard something like that. I've also I think I believe ninety fifth is now calling them civil affair or civil reconnaissance NCOs. Okay, uh, I could be wrong about that, but I think that's what they're referring to them as. Okay, well, so a civil reconnaissance, yeah, I could see that person, you know, being tactically proficient, focusing on that, and then I, I just I see it this separate unit being a second life for somebody. Um, either you could come up through your training, you're better at analysis than you are at collecting, because that just happens with a lot of people. They could focus on that from the beginning, or you get someone who's done a lot of recon work, and then before they move on to another job in the three shop or or somewhere else in the. Uh, in the in the greater um, or get out of the army altogether, we can take their what they've you know collected and, and learned over over a career, and then analyze it, and make things um, at that because you learn so many things as you move on in your career, and you see where things would have been more valuable later on, and that's where that, that's where that anal- analyst can uh, add more to the picture. For example, if all those if all the folks in proponency, um, you know the. DA civilians would be amazing if they applied their analysis to current information. Right. For example, I think that might have interesting results. No, I would I would agree with that. Um, I think also one of the things that we I don't know if it hinders this, but it, I think we could do a better job at is just that kind of that that pathway of okay, even the information we have now where it's analyzed, like we send that up. Sometimes it kind of gets lost in the the stratosphere of information or wherever it is. So we don't ever see exactly where is those, what is this civil information actually doing for a commander to update their common operating picture? How are they uh, utilizing this information to, to make better decisions? Right. And then with that, I think maybe these battalions could, could assist in that and then push kind of, Hey, this is some more of the civil data that we would like to collect. The commander really likes this or et cetera. You know, could you guys, focus in on on the civil data more so so a couple podcasts back with Chaplain Machichi and Steron mm-hmm. they talked about um, the, how storyboards weren't cutting it and they did a whole survey of the CA enterprise and found that uh, people didn't have confidence that their information was being utilized and so this would be an element that would uh, be mandated to focus on that and be rated on the ability their ability to manipulate and, and integrate that into other agencies and uh and so I think it would help attack that problem, or at least minimize that problem. I don't think it's ever going to go away uh, having, you know, collecting information that perhaps isn't as relevant as you thought it was when you first collected right. it. Um, however, if you have a, something separate that, that can be, and it's not just a repository, but it's an active repository. Right. So I had a few lines of effort where you do the human network analysis, which would be kind of your active stuff where you could get, stay as current as possible using AI techniques, machine learning, all the new... Uh, excellent fan, fancy stuff and then turn that into to engaging networks uh, at a higher level that teams aren't capable of doing and frankly they're not designed to do um, teams are designed to operate at embassies etc but to to get the knowledge integrated into areas where people will see value in having civil reconnaissance elements all globally positioned uh, that that's a whole other level of analysis that needs to take place. And I think you need a dedicated unit to be able to do it. Whether it's a battalion or not, that's kind of arbitrary. I just thought of battalion because it's an 05 and, and, and that's a, it's a commander and it's, and it's something um, the Army understands and can probably you know, wrap their head around what it would kind of look like. But 
but it doesn't have to be that necessarily. So you mentioned the line of uh, lines of effort in your paper. Could you expand on those a little bit more? Okay, so yeah, I talked. I, I just noted three of them, and, and the first one being human network analysis, which the 95th and others are doing excellent work on. Uh, the battalion I'm part of, the 83rd, um, uh, we have an excellent sim section, but it, but it's vastly it's undermanned, and they're not capable of doing high-level interagency work. Um, that, uh, that that would be really benefit the teams, and so uh, to have something dedicated to that to bring in other assets that would that would be a line of effort right there. And then second, the network engagement to actually engage those folks to spend all that time integrating that knowledge and uh, and reaching out and, and keeping other types of networks alive. That would be a second line of effort. And then the, the third would be continuity and uh, professional development. So the continuity piece. That's where you get a little bit of repository work. That's where you also get um, knowing why we've been in a country for 5, 10, 30 years, what the changes have been over time. And, of course, with professional development, we can see, I think there'd be, there's room for analysis of what, for example, a really good C, uh, CA, NCO, what, what's their future path after CA? What, what are they going to do when they, when they get out of the military? There, there's plenty of, of options and they should be able to feed back into the system. I, I see this as a as a um, as an organization that should be living organization that should be able to you know actively reach out to former members who are were um, creating work that, that's worth worthwhile keeping and developing over time. Right. So I guess maybe what what would your response be to so people that say we have some of those capabilities or assets at a battalion level now, is it just a size? So when we're talking about like human network analysis, we're looking at like sim cells or HNA cells, I think at the brigade 95th, they have some of those. Right. Um, and then when we're talking about um, kind of the network engagement, that kind of falls in line with that a little bit too. Um, maybe reaching out to unified action partners like civil liaison teams in the CMOCs at battalion level. Is it just a size capability at that point or is it... Is it a manning capability at the battalions? What do you? So, uh, well, it, it's both. Uh, okay. So, so you need some some massing. Okay. So we need to take from if you if it was a, for example, if we couldn't grow the force, we should take some of the elements from sim sections now and mass them together. Okay. And then you can flex them to different spots. For for example, our um, sim uh, uh, chief uh, Jason Wagner. I mean, he he's he's got a, a minimal team, but if he had. See if he was able to call in a few more people to flex on a certain area over a given period of time, that would immensely help the effort. And there should be a unit that he should be able to reach out to in order to to be able to do that. So I'm not saying completely eliminate a sim person at at a battalion, but but if we could just so getting the people there, and then you could do specialized training for those people. Right. And then uh, there's all sorts of things where someone could focus on it for a while, and then if someone gets good. There should be lines where they become possible DA civilians that are specialized in it. Because the real power of uh, military intelligence is not necessarily uh, the soldiers. Uh, it's the continuity through the analysts, the civilian analysts. And if anyone looks behind the curtain uh, at uh, any uh, joint task force, they see it's these civilians providing continuity. Um, and it, because the officers and the NCOs, they come and go too quickly. No. They, and, yeah. and they're too junior. Quite honestly, and the senior ones 
um, have been in and out of in and out of uh, multiple jobs, and they're more managers slash leaders right. at that point, as opposed to dedicated you know, 10, 20 year analysts that have a wealth of knowledge. And uh, and so, but of course, the wealth of knowledge comes with risks as well because you can get you know, they can stagnate. Right. Um, uh, but that's the point of trying to have tension between the. the different lines of effort but that's a problem for the organization and the leadership right. of the organization itself so I think that's a problem I know I've had a lot of uh, like personal discussions with people about that same thing where they've kind of talked about this like a split right who wants to be go down the command path and who wants to go down the specialization path right so they've talked about NCOs and officers being specialized it's more I think we discussed it more in like an AOR specific type thing where you kind of build up through an ASCC or a TSOC, but I think this specialty skill here would, would fall in line with that. And I think it also goes back to another um, thing within the regiment that we could address, right, is advanced skills after the schoolhouse and see uh, going through the qualification course. What advanced skills are we providing to our non-commissioned officers and officers? to do that. So in, in this case, analysis, reconnaissance, well, whatever it is, these analytical skills, whether, yeah. I don't know who that would be partnering with, but that, that speaks to another issue as well that we could maybe address here. Right. Yeah. I, I envision there's multiple people to partner with in order to get those advanced skills to include just opening ourselves up to the interagency, right. to learning what gaps they have, or, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, what the customers want, what um, what people are getting out of the information. Because uh, if we don't have a dedicated element that's constantly trying to figure out what our uh, the receivers of that information of that knowledge are doing with it, getting from it, mm-hmm. uh, we don't we don't really know what what extra we're, we're, we're kind of guessing right. at what tasks uh, people need to focus on in order to advance. And so it seems to make sense that I mean some of these things make sense, especially the movement to uh, civil recon. Right. It seems to make sense because there's some doctrine out there, and I know we both know people that have said, "Hey, look, let's let's get some big army civil recon mm-hmm. or just reconnaissance document uh, doctrine to help uh, develop uh, civil reconnaissance itself." Well, and then let's get some other analyst work to figure out exactly how yeah. to manipulate our information and make it better, and make it more usable, and make it more relevant, and, and frankly, more credible. Right. And once it gets to that that level, we start having those. Those conversations, I think, will will be much far, much better off. And, and giving, you're right, just like you said. I think you said split at the beginning mm-hmm. of your your question, because yeah, then you can start identifying talent to go one way or another. Exactly. Yeah, talk about talent management, which I know is a big push in the army right now. Sure, it seems to to fall in line with that. Um, and the the other portion of this, which you you uh, were alluding to, is the experience, right? The continuity piece. I know as a team sergeant when I left uh, CA team, that was just when I was starting to feel like I had a pretty firm grasp on analyzing some of the material. And a lot of that was just trial and error. It was just, you know, hey, I send this up. And someone's like, no, that's not the information we're looking for. We want you to kind of hone in on this or articulate it in this manner. So by the time guys are really developing those skills, they're usually moved off of a team. So, yeah, right. Yeah. I'll almost guarantee each team leader will say that for sure. Speaking from the officer <laughs> yeah. perspective, yeah. you know, they get one turn and then mm-hmm. you're done or something like that. Or if you're lucky, you get two turns. Um, I'm sure a lot of officers would like to, a chance to do that and maybe even hone their craft right. at doing that, spend a little more time doing the recon side. And then I'm sure there's others that would go, hey, look, I'm getting out because I'm going to do 
more analytical side, or I think our knowledge would have been generated knowledge would have been better in the NGO sector. Well, they would be a perfect candidate to spend a couple of years seeing if they can integrate that knowledge into the NGO sector, right. how and or why, uh, and figure that out. Uh, I think that would benefit the regiment as well. Because civil information or civil knowledge, I mean, it's such a huge spectrum. We haven't really, I don't think, identified what exactly um, is truly relevant for a combatant commander right. at this point. And it's changing so fast, mm-hmm. so radically fast. We're, it seems like we're always behind. So I don't know if it's something you'll ever get ahead of. Right. But there's definitely something we gotta. We can't just stop and just say, well, this is what it is. Um, this is the perfect unit to, uh, size unit to mm-hmm. civil affairs itself, to be able to change and adapt to the new information environment. No, I agree with it. And I, and I think that just understanding that that's one of the proprietary things that we bring to the U.S. Army is gathering that civil data and then, you know, providing that to commanders. And one of the, the two tactical mission tasks we teach here, reconnaissance and civil engagement, right? But we always talk to students like, who in here thinks that CA is the only people that does civil engagements? Half of them raise their hands. We're like, oh, you're kind of all wrong. Like any right. any platoon leader that's right. can do that. Any anybody else in the army can go and do that. However, no one else in the army is is gathering civil information through civil reconnaissance. That's a uniquely civil affairs capability. So why not, you know, develop this so that we can bring a better product to to commanders and and the, and the army. Yeah, exactly. Or, or making sense of it. Who's right. so PLs can go out there and do that. Infantry PLs right. or, or captains. And do those engagements, um, and but to really complete that civil considerations mm-hmm. aspect of MDMP and uh, and continual IPB, uh, it, it's the CA guy right. that has to be or person needs to be continually churning that and taking that information, turning it into knowledge. Right. So, yeah, and then, I mean that that that's where that if you get a specialist analyst to be able to push stuff to exactly you, could, you take it to the higher level and then hopefully the combatant commander can yeah. see the value out of it and, and those guys know what the value is in that information so they can articulate it or analyze it and shape it in a way that that is better especially if we could measure it over time yes with, with some yeah. continuity mm-hmm. and then push some metrics out as opposed to being a guessing game of hey we've got the civilians out of the way uh, therefore you can get on with your combat operations we we got to me- measure, start trying to measure, and I think you need a dedicated element in order to be able to, to attempt those high level types of analysis. Yeah, I agree with you. I think every team that goes into any country, the baseline data set that they pull is when they first get there, and then what they're measuring it off of six months later is data from six months ago. So right, I mean, well, and their and their measurement, um, are there, what even their measuring changes. Right. Yeah. And so who's measure? Who's got that continuity? Mm-hmm. I, I I doubt it's the regional. Simsies, although right. they, they attempt to do uh, as good a job as possible. Yeah. But I would guess that they're undermanned as well. And they're a little bit too tactical as well. Right. It needs to be pulled back to, to something a little bit more objective. And now if the if the TSOCs were doing it or the COCONs themselves were doing it, um, there might be less of a, a concern. But I think the only people that are really focused on the civil side is literally people who are in civil affairs. Right. Um, you'll see 500 to 1,000 people sections of in the J2 section at the various COCOMs, but the civil people considering the civil aspects of things will be a tenth that, if right. that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So this battalion, we talked a, a little bit about like what it would 
I guess, be task organized under. So would that be, do you see this falling under, you know, force com? Is it a use sock asset? Is it both? Does it matter? So uh, a little bit of honesty here. I think what it really came from was that I did this paper on civil affairs knowledge or information in the information environment. And then I went to the 83rd Civil Affairs Battalion, which is the only force com um, civil affairs battalion. It's an amazing battalion because it's a global battalion. Right. It's very unique, and it's got this unique capability to we, we feed both SOCOM, we feed FORCECOM, um, we've, we bridge a lot of aspects. And so, and we are about to be absorbed possibly into one or another uh, at, at a given time, and it still may happen, uh, so it's a little bit up in the air. But uh, so I could see that that could have just transitioned into a whole sim battalion there so it was just kind of a you know thinking out of the box that that, that's what that could be and and that SOCOM would own it Um, but but SOCOM's not the only customer for this or not even the main customer for this because SOCOM should really be a a supporting element to the larger effort which is the conventional force the conventional force is there for a reason they they do the main effort and so uh, I I put a lot of thought into it once you you put it to me who's going to own it and through the Civil Affairs Association that was that, that's a tough question. Right. So I almost see now that I think UC KPOC needs to create their own. And I think uh, the, there should be one at USASOC. And I think Forcecom should have one as well. And then I think there should be really a mandate or a memorandum of understanding where they can attempt to work together. There should be one leader, though, of course, in order to unify that command, yeah. which is going to be almost impossible. Right. Who's paying this bill? Uh, but, but unifying it, if only for evaluation purposes. Um, and the higher ranking person who's doing that evaluation, the better, so we can have more uh, accountability. No, but, but that said, all of them need to contribute to it. And, and it's almost like the DIA is for the military. The DIA is a military organization, but it doesn't fall under one of the COCOMs, really. So you can kind of sidestep SOCOM, because the easy answer... I think from if you're in the 95th, is we'll put it at the 95th. Right. And and the, but the it's not so easy when you come from UCK Bach, I don't think. And UCK Bach really it has such a it, it's the main effort in many ways um, because of their overall capability, um, their rank structure, quite frankly. Um, and so if they're not part of it or bought into it or significantly putting effort into it, I don't think it will have as great a result. As possible. That said, though, I still think it should be tried, even if one doesn't want to try it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I would agree. I think we probably couldn't put an asset like this and just leave it under one. The difficulty, like you said, is yeah. going to be unifying that across all three. Mine's bigger than, yeah. than mine will, will, yeah. would like to battle that out, I'm sure. That, that's always <laughs> what happens, right? You put the task yep. org up on the thing, and then everyone sits there and talks about task org right. for. And then the brief's half over, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we have a mission, too. Okay. As long as you get the task work set. Exactly. So, um, unfortunately, i got to leave that. That's a tough question to leave on the table. But Yeah, I would agree. I don't think there's there's an answer right now for that. But, but it'd be just good something to, to ponder, think about. Yeah, it'd be good to see that battle, to see who'd like to own that. Yeah. More. Yeah. So, um, another thing with this is we've talked about, you know, the reconnaissance piece that feeds us information into it. Do you see, um, I know some of the... I think uh, the MI brigades would have their own like 
reconnaissance assets where they had scouts there, like a LURSE or something along those lines. Do you do you see the need for an organic reconnaissance asset, or do you think that um, you know we'll just leave that up to the teams operating in country to feed back into this? Or uh, even outside of CA teams, we mentioned platoon leaders gathering simple information as well. Right. Uh, how do you kind of envision that information being fed in? So, so in a way, I see that as mission creep. Okay. So I'd want to keep it as focused as possible uh, and solely focused on analysis and then integration. Um, and uh, I mean, I mean, I guess you see, I, I see your point about how, like, how could they collect information from a uh, right. platoon leader, for example. Uh, well, I still think there should be an um, organic CA person there helping to feed that up. Right. Because there should be a mechanism in place. Um, and I think we'll be overburdening because then it will turn into something that just feeds individual BCTs. Right. And uh, it might get diluted. The emission might get diluted at that point. Um, it'd be good if it was acted more as a standalone analysis, reach back integration machine that did its own, um, that, it had, that had its own kind of or structure or had its own cult culture to it, right. had its own uh, momentum to it, uh, as opposed to getting into, uh, it gets too tempting. Because you also see what, when some units, even SMU units, when they start adding other elements, uh, it's it's much easier to add another little capability to it. Just, well, just we'll do a small group of this because then I don't have to ask other people for it. Right. Um, I think this unit should be forced to ask other people for it. And people should be forced to ask them for it because then you get the push-pull. Right. And, and that's what, so we, it's, more, it's more of a process thing as opposed to, a, um, you know, making more other organic assets that people will get jealous of and then you get into rice bowl conversations of, yeah maybe that that link is just through the s9s at the bcts or whatever it is that can feed that information or vice versa sure. that's fed, whatever it may be but yeah i would agree might make the s9 more relevant might make them tie yeah. into the bigger picture um it might make um you know put more pressure on the simc or the cape team that gets our ca team that gets attached to that bct right to show that they're capable of feeding these different systems. Right. Um, I would agree with that. Um, the the other thing that I think everyone thinks of when they think of you know civil information or civil knowledge is the um, platforms. Um, so I'll just ask the question. Right. What What is your take on on platforms now as they are for uh, or repositories for civil information? What do, Where do you think we need to improve on that? Is it I know there's some new systems coming out, but to be honest with you, I don't know what they are now. So I did the human train system, right. what, 12 years ago now? Something like that. And uh, they had DSIGs, human terrain, something back then. So I think DSIGs is the answer, right? Is right. It, it's always been the answer. And it's I think, I think that's where the Army's going with the D6A is the answer now. 2022 yeah. is it now? So, so 2024 or something like that. Yeah. So, um, so regardless, um, you know, whether it's Palantir, whether it's... Um, CASA, um, which, which is an interesting system. I, I like the open source stuff. Mm -hmm. um, as long as we can have some sort of continuity with it, that'd be kind of nice. But I would say, though, I think it would alleviate a little bit of that because if you had this unit dedicated to that, they could manage multiple systems right. and then have to deal with that. And then, you know, then you can measure the effectiveness of one over the other or the, the effect of cutting one off and then starting another one. We just feel the end pain of it as, you know, from my experience on the tactical level, right. it's really painful. But I think 
we don't almost have that uh, objective source that can say, no, it's painful for this reason and that reason. Right. So we shouldn't do it, and here's our qualification. But that said, uh, proponency is making some strides, so it's, it's glacial pace, it seems, because by the time it, they, it seems like they make one change, and by the time they're on to their next change, your team leader time or team starting time's over. Right. So it seems to go, yeah. I think you're. I think that's another uh, pro, if you will, for the the civil knowledge battalion is it, it would act as that. So all these, the frustrations that everyone in in, the, in civil affairs has with these different uh, systems, depending on which COCOM you're working for, that would probably alleviate a lot of it. Right? Right. So we talk about this information sharing, and everyone looks to this software to do that. So, but if you have these organic um, battalions that are there that that's their sole purpose is to you know analyze this information and house it and when you need it you go to them when they distribute it however they distribute it yeah I think that would alleviate a lot of the issues that we currently have with that with the information sharing yeah I think you're describing continuity right, right? yeah no and, absolutely and so right. continuity can be doesn't have to be we need a you know million year contract for Palantir continuity can be hey we have a shared folder or we have a bunch of um, you know, uh, hard copies mm-hmm. of stuff that's been done in Area A for 10 years. And, and it's so-and-so's job to go read all that stuff, get a so what, and then brief the new team that's going to go in next month. Uh, and so that's a little bit of continuity. Because um, I've had a couple of experiences where you go to a country and the folks there in the you know, partner nations interagency they know who you are who was there before what effects they had what they want from you so there's there, not only do they know your mission or, or are trying to guide you on their mission they with, with that they have a huge advantage over you and so and it's not and you don't want to turn it into something adversarial like that you you want to walk in saying yeah no I'm fully versed we did this before and it had this positive or negative effect and then you can work with them right. as opposed to have having them trying to, to play a team that's only in there for six months. Yeah. Um, so the continuity has to come outside of the team that's there for six months. Right. I'm not sure. I think we can both agree. Trying to do the work civil affairs does, uh, you know, civil reconnaissance and engagement, long-term knowledge of changes over time in a given area, takes more than six months. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and so it takes multiple years. So the only way to do that is to have long-term continuity analysis uh, over time. I think that's one of the biggest uh, issues that we have, right? We have the persistent engagements in these theaters right. and in these countries. It's Bodies are persistently there, but sometimes that information that we've gathered is not uh, is not always there, right? And that's kind of the piece. I, I generally knew what the team prior to me did. Right. Two teams prior. Right. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Three teams? Probably Forget not. about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you meet the guy who's, oh, I was there four years ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember what happened. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of walk away. Well, you should know who they met. Right. Who has been met with mm-hmm. consistently. Yeah. Who's changed positions in what given area. Mm-hmm. And, and not only does that only give the team an advantage in being able to network but or to engage networks. Right. But it also shows respect to the partner nation. Oh, absolutely. Right? That we're not fickle. Mm-hmm. And that we're not... You know, because it's very easy to have a reputation for being there only when, you know, they're needed. Right. Uh, and I think we play a large role in, in that, like you said, the persistent presence. I mean, we should ask the question, what is persistent presence really? Yeah. Right? It's someone you know over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep changing out the faces, what do you really know of that person over yeah. a long time? It's pretty. <laughs> I would agree. I, I'm an advocate 
sort of for longer deployments, although I think that's a hard sell. Yeah, and um, I don't know if, if we have a continuity or a yeah. process for continuity. I don't know if that has to be yeah, the answer. Probably not even the answer then. Um, yeah. I had a, a friend of mine, um, Andy Alcacer, throw out to him is that he, he kind of questioned me on how is that even possible? How's a, you know, an NCO coming off a team coming on to, uh, you know, this civil engagement or um, civil knowledge battalion going to be able to conduct reachback? Well, that person should be able to find out what the network was reach back to those people that they've known for a while and then at least keep the team up to speed about who they're able right. to keep in contact with. And now with, um, I think it's just an acknowledgement that social media is way more powerful than we thought. Yeah. And we need to incorporate it into the way we conduct operations in the information environment. Right. And, it, and that's not weaponizing it, so to speak. I think it's just utilizing it the way it's supposed to be used. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are in long-term groups yeah, and I think that's one that's one way of doing it. Because say if you went to a country that I'm going to go to in six months, well, you went there six years ago, but you're still in a you know, just throwing out their WhatsApp group with with a few of those people. How are you going to get me a quality introduction to those people where I'm right. vetted almost vetted instantly? Right. That that's a way to do it. Even if you went over to an NGO or you went over to an interagency or something like that. That could be a way of doing that. Right. I mean, this might be pie in the sky thinking, but uh, I think that's one powerful tool for continuity, especially in the job. No, I agree. we're attempting to do capitalizing on those relationships that have already been built. I mean, we know generally <laughs> the first thirty to sixty days of that um, rotation is just trying to build some sort of relationship with those those individuals within right. those uh, friendly networks in that area, and then after that, you got a couple more months of all right, we got these networks and relationships built. Let's start trying to, you know, utilize these some of these things to assist. And then you've got a couple months to, well, really a month or two to figure out or to do whatever it is that you think you can do during that. And then it's packing your bags and, and then transition. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and and to build confidence. And so you could do this, right? So even if someone has a bad rotation, uh, you could skip that person out of that group <laughs> and just go, yeah, sorry about that guy. He got PNG'd or kicked out you know right. he wasn't the greatest guy and then you can keep maintain that network mm-hmm. repair the damage right. send someone you know better ostensibly back in and reintroduce them again and you know accelerate the engagement with that network once yeah, again absolutely. and uh, and monitor changes that way too and i think the only way to do it really is to have that dedicated again like a salesman here i guess no i would i would agree <laughs> I, I i think you're onto something here and I, hopefully Someone somewhere listens to this and reads your paper, and then someone with a lot more power than we have can start to put these things into motion. Yeah, that, that, that would be cool. Um, sometimes you need organizational change to really right. shake up. Like you, you reorganize your house and you, you think differently or something like that. And so, um, yeah, I'm not talking about adding new people. You don't have to add new people. But just utilizing the people we have already far more effectively uh, for the information environment. I would agree with For that. Sure. Yeah. All right, sir. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up at this point. Um, I just want to say thank you for coming on to the, the podcast and discussing these things. Uh, honestly, and I'm not just saying this because you're sitting across from the table from yeah, me, yeah. but I've read your paper numerous times. I really, really enjoyed it, and I think that uh, it's just something that I could, I personally could get behind and support. Uh, and I, like I said, I hope someone else somewhere reads it. Cool, Sean. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot.